Saki Village on Jeju Island. This is the Korea File, a weekly podcast about music, film, politics, and society from all around the peninsula. I'm Andre Goulet. On this episode, Maya Sinji Jung is an anthropologist, storyteller, and the organizer of the first Sunmoon Market Global Festival. The festival, a 60th anniversary celebration for one of the local markets in Old Jeju City, was held at the end of November and featured workshops on art, language, and cooking, as well as live music and documentary screenings. Since 2012, Sinji's anthropological and cultural work has taken her to the isolated villages of the island to speak with Jeju grannies and to record their stories. She shares these stories every Wednesday on Jeju's CBS Radio 93.3 FM and online at jejusori.net. Her efforts to record and photograph these women's lives are part of an ongoing oral history and cultural preservation project. I spoke with her in the midst of someone markets bustling crowds at last week's festival about her work. So Dongmun and Seomun Market, two different markets in Jeju. Dongmun is uh, traditionally uh, like uh, people from East sell and buy their stuff. And here is people from West come and sell and share their stuff. But Dongmun became really big uh, and very touristic area. But this remain as a really local, you know, small market. So it's an interesting story. So in the middle of Dongmun and Seomun Shijang, there is a little er- uh, big town called Jungangro, like center, but that kind that was DMG back uh, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so that's only for the Jeju city people. Okay. And then now, but they don't really, it's, it's gone, that era was gone, and in Seomunshijang, long time ago, there was a university and a office, government office, so it was very, very, you know, you know crowded. Area. Yeah, popular area. Ah. <laughs> So, but now they are all gone, but still those neighbors, these neighbors in this area uh, love to come and buy stuff and it remains as a real essential traditional city market. Yeah, Yeah, you really get the atmosphere of a a local market. Is this the first time there's been a culture festival? Is this like the first year? Yeah, this is the first one. The inaugural year. So tell me about that. What's happening uh, this weekend? Uh, this weekend we are uh, preparing lots of festivals. We call it Chanchi. Chanchi is party in Korean way. Chanchi is basically we have to share everything all together and drinking and make fun, you know, music and you know that kind of idea we want to share as a global festival. I don't know is exactly good translation or not because if you don't got, you, you guys don't get what is Chanchi. But we try. So today we make kimchi session with, with everybody, and we make it all together with ajumma and everybody. And there were lots of foreign people as well. So we share, and they bring that at home. And last of it, we will donate to the neighbor who need uh, kimchi. This neighbor, and then lots of workshop is going on as well. For example. Uh, presenting Korean uh, Jeju dialect, 
uh, by the researcher who is in Jeju now, a foreign researcher. And also there was a merchant, granny, join, and they all, you know, learn real <laughs> Jeju dialect together. And of course, uh, there is another cooking session by Japanese macrobiotic chef. And also, there was a non-summit conference, if it sounds really yeah, stupid, but you know, it's like Pijongsangwedam, you know? There's a, one program going on in JTBC. Lots of foreign guys talk about their cultural differences. And we did it yesterday, it was really good. Yeah, and so many. I can remember, remember all of it. It's been a big success. Yesterday was really busy, and today is also pretty busy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you enjoying? <laughs> Got 50 stories. Okay. Yeah. So you go to the villages and interview the yeah. elderly people. Yeah, I just walk. Um, uh, the, the title is Korumong Homong Turumong. Look, uh, uh, walk, look, and listen. What kind of, um, when you talk to them, <laughs> what kind of stories are you hoping they'll tell? Or what do you think they want to talk about? I never expect anything, but you know the beginning of the my project is start from my personal like sadness or whatever broken heart whatever, and I start to walk rather than just you know being like in like shit conditions. So I just go out, and there's already always there's random grannies sitting around and just you know, and I just eventually bump into them and they just we talk very normal conversation. So you're fluent in Jeju. Yeah. I grown up in Jeju and when I was 20 I left and I spent my 20s in you know Japan mostly Japan and other 15 countries like rambling a <laughs> little bit and then when I come back you know I but while I was traveling I thought you know there's something missing about me like rootless I didn't know anything about Jeju because I was a high school Korean typical crazy high school kids yeah so you know I decided to know about people here because my major 12 years was anthropology and sociology and regional science so that's all I could do so I went out and just walk without any expectation just walk some many times I fail sometimes I met no one and people these days even though they are you know elder people they got scared of people you know outsiders come and maybe they're robbers and thieves or I'm Christian, <laughs> missionary things. But if I keep, so I call it is magic 30 minutes. I spend with them 30 minutes, conversation, whatever. And I'm very outgoing and just talkative, so they love me. And they invite me finally into their house. 
So we share coffee, and most of them is living alone. So they, with me, total outsider, we spend, we share all those times, two hours, three hours, talking about that, and it, it bring me to have a chance to listen about their sad tragedy, about like April 3rd, Jeju, you know, uprising things. Even though I didn't ask, it always go into that story. And I, what I realized was like, it's like they are like, they never had anything they expected. No, there was no expectation. They just lived, live, live, live. But you know, also their husband got killed in two days after their marriage. And many things, what I heard is just like, let me think that, that my sadness, broken heart, is just a little tiny, tiny, tiny dust. <laughs> that, that was the motivation. I start this thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> does, it, does it cheer them up to talk with somebody? Yeah, because, you know, but I'm worried though, like, because normally, mostly they spend their whole day by themselves or their friends. So they're not talking too much. But when I come, like a rambling drug sellers, you know, you have it in your culture. We have long time ago, like a tramp, you know? I go and just make them smile and make a joke and, you know, sharing whatever kind of conversation. And they have their own grandkids and kids, but they are living in the city. And they only visit them like twice a year or something like that. And Jeju grand elders are really independent compared with Yukji outside, you know, mainland. They don't depend on kids. That's their culture. So in the rural area, there's a, it's a like architectural uh, difference between mainland and here. We have two separate main houses. One is for parents, one is for kids. But all of them left. So there's lots of abandoned house. They're full with full of memories of warmth, family relationships. But all of those things they are having by themselves and living by herself. And yeah, some yeah. So, so you're, you're speaking with them to sort of get a permanent recording of their stories and Mm-mm, whatever so, they so talk. Yeah. What are the so they talked about war and all the tragedy. Yeah. What other themes do you hear again and again? Mm, it's all different, but mostly always, like 80, 90%, the story goes back to uprise April 3rd thing. There's so many like uh, archiving collections of you know April 3rd victims because Jeju has project for working out on it, but they only go with the purpose of asking about those tragedy. I think that's that's good, but as a like if you're a researcher, you should. But I don't want to hurt them by asking that as a you know outsider. <laughs> so for foreigners and even yeah. for people on the mainland, I think the April third uprising isn't very well known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 1948. It started from 1948, uh, 1948 until uh, nine, uh, 1956. So include those Korean War era. It was still going on. So people thought there is a communist group exists in Jeju. So actually, the main policeman just ordered the main island to kill. Everyone, you know, at, uh, like uh, in outside of like how many five kilometers above. 
from the ocean. Yeah, from the ocean, without any clue. So everybody, from people from the ocean area, they have to go move to the mountain. But when you go to the mountain, they just dubbed you, you're a communist. So just everyone got killed. There were so many villages in Jeju, now just gone, only have the traces. So, um, and you know, like uh, the historical point of view is very, you know, it's not clearly organized yet. But when I listen their story, what I can tell is really that's something, you know, really big tragedy happened without any expectation, any clue, any, you know, so it's like, hmm. By some accounts, this, there was 200 villages destroyed, 20,000 people. Yeah, more than that. And then it's about American, you know, order. Back then, you know, the police was, you know, because American government wanted to build their own way of, you know, government in, in Korea. And then Soviet Union went one different way of. So Jeju has really strong community partnership. So actually there was a movement that we want to make our own independent according to communist idea, you know, because we wanted to share everything about but anything. Anyway, so, but those idea, of course, the American government and then Korean, you know, the, what can I say, uh, they didn't like it. So they have to keep, make lots of excuses. And using propaganda, they actually put uh, their own, you know, soldiers into the village and then make the fire, whole village. The grannies. And is it all grannies that you speak to? Do you speak to old men sometimes? Yeah, sometimes. Sure. It's mostly older women in the villages. Because, you know, as you know, Jeju, we say in Jeju there are three mainstream, like uh, Samdado means we have three things, like lots of, you know, thing is women and dol, stone, param, wind. Right. Yeah, so dol and param is very like environmental thing, but women, some people have like very sentimental kind of nostalgic image about Jeju because we have lots of women. But that's actually based on those sad history, I guess so, because by the uprising and after that Korean War, and then they hurt life in the ocean, so everybody just died and were like we have much risk. So, so give a little bit of context. So the uprising in '48. This was three years after the Japanese occupation. Yeah. So these elderly people have lived through occupation times. Sure. Post occupation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So I listen about those occupation memories as well. But uh, interestingly, that's more positive than Korean uprising. Yeah, I don't know why, but some of them have different, totally different, really strong bad memories, of course, when we are occupied. But, you know, they say, you know, April 3rd was like too much, too cruel, and everything was just blown you know, and then we have, we have it's island. So from long time ago, Japan and Jeju has their own, you know, trade and you know people going and they have to make money. So yeah. How has all that tragedy affected the character of Jeju people? They have to keep themselves always safe. You know, so they don't really trust what other people, other village people, or, you know, what government say. But 
But ironically, also they have those characters that have to cooperate. So they always, it's a big dilemma for them inside they wanna. So when I visit Granny, I feel the same thing, you know? I'm, now, I'm an outsider for their life. But at the same time, they don't really trust me, but I'm talking to their really important memories, which maybe they didn't want to share. So you're preserving some of these memories through your recordings. What do you do, what do, you do to make it something public or to share? Yeah, that's my main goal. Like uh, maybe you guys know about the story called in NPR and things. And I was actually studying about it when I was in the graduate and you know doing my PhD about and then. I want to make people can feel this huge value of Jeju Granny's story, not only specifically about like one historical event, but also like including their whole ordinary life, ordinary memories. I think there will be lots of possibility to record them as a history, a part of history, not only just, you know, like inspiration kind of talking I don't expect that but that's why I just want to keep working on it and I want to also work with uh, young people then teenagers and because without one generation like I, my main dream is just um, skip the middle generation but connect those grandkids and uh, grandmother generation I think that's the only way I feel as a possibility we can communicate and uh, making this just normal story into those historical educational things because, you know, without them, we don't know anything about, yeah. So how, can you, how could you reach out to the younger generation? Uh, here's many, you know, community about, especially like in the market as well, there's like teen youth, some kind of organization some which has some issues by themselves and uh, yeah I can go to the normal school or high school and cooperate them but I I really wish them to there is a, some group of people that will have a big power by listening and you know going and interviewing granny by themselves you understand what yeah. I mean <laughs> so some kids with issues their personal issues and some communication problem I really wish this could be the key to solve their personal issue as well. So mentoring. there's yeah, mentoring and stuff. So that's why I'm doing in in the in the in that booth we are sharing grannies. That's my idea and join with them. Special thanks to the Maya Sinji Jump. You can hear her every Wednesday on J2 
KGCBS Radio 93.3 FM and read her curated stories of grandmother's lives at jejusori.net, J-E-J-U-S-O-R-I dot N-E-T. Stay tuned for next week's episode where I'll speak with Chuja Island's Ben Spencer about the boredom, isolation, and everything else that comes with being the only English speaker on an island of 2,500 people. You can find The Korea File on iTunes, Facebook, or at Spreaker.com. If you like this show, recommend it. From Sagi Village in Jeju Island, I'm on the